Let's get back into our series. We took a break last week with Corey. I, I really enjoyed that. He thought he did a great job. And if you were here at Sunday school, that his presentation about the plan for the church plan in Kinston, I thought was very impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, I look forward to great things happening in Kinston uh, in, in, the, in the coming days and months. So keep that in, in your prayers. But we are, we're just doing a uh, series called we, What We Believe. And uh, every now and then I just like to do a, a basics uh, series and so Joe suggested that after I finished the Eats with Sinners series um, Joe suggested maybe we we try that again uh, and uh, it's always good to just understand the basics because everybody we come from different backgrounds different church experiences and uh, you know it, it's really good for us to especially for the essentials for us all to be on the same page uh, and that page being the biblical page the the page of the New Testament. And so uh, we, we've been talking about a few things. We talked about communion last time, two weeks ago. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about the Bible itself. We're going to just kind of um, uh, take a little survey about why the Bible is, is our, our guide, our, 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 what we go to for our faith and practice. Um, and we're going to talk about where it came from, why we can trust it, uh, and that's, I think that's going to be an interesting uh, message. Today we're going to talk about something that uh, when I was a kid, um, we never talked about. <laughs> and that's, that's spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. We, uh, you just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit or spiritual gifts when, when I was growing up uh, for various reasons. We, we would say the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in, sometimes in songs and things, but we never would discuss the Holy Spirit, and the gifts that every Christian receives. So we're going to talk about that, and we'll be over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 16, if you want to turn over there and talk about that in a minute. We'll go through that in a minute. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. The accident that sent the Jakupovic family, this, uh, this story has this family came called the Jakupovic family. I almost changed it to Jones just so I wouldn't have to say that every time. So if I stumble over that word, uh, sounds like a hockey player, doesn't it? Uh, Jakupovic. Uh, the accident that sent the Jakupovic family hurtling into Tampa Bay in, in a Ford Explorer threatened to become a terrible tragedy. But four days later, the dramatic rescue by bystanders almost looks like a well-orchestrated plan. It threw together a nurse who was trained in saving lives, a man who grew up diving off bridges, uh, like the one where the accident occurred, and a boat captain who happened to be in the right place at the right time. Each of these three had something crucial, a boat, medical training, and knowledge of the sea that worked in combination to save a family, including the unconscious second grader who was strapped into the submerged SUV that had plunged off the bridge. A tiny little boy needed some help, and God put us all there for a reason, said the nurse, Kelly Earl. The accident began about 1 p.m. on Saturday on the Howard Franklin Bridge back in 2005. When the left rear tire of the Jakupovic's SUV uh, blew, the SUV spun, it rolled, it smashed into the concrete barrier and plunged into Tampa Bay. 
The first thing that worked in the Jakupovic's favor was that a boat operated by a guy named Kenny Hyatt of Tampa was just nearby when it happened. He steered close enough to Mujo, Amara, and Imra, the father and mother and 13-year-old son, uh, close enough where they could swim over to his boat. And they got on board. The SUV was already in the water uh, when another family, the Reardon family, drove over the same bridge. Kara Reardon, who was 15, was getting a driving lesson uh, with, her, with her permit. Carrie Reardon, her father, asked uh, her to, to pull over and he got out to see if he could help. Reardon, interestingly, grew up diving off Pinellas County bridges to find stone crabs. So he wasn't scared to jump off this bridge, uh, the Howard Franklin Bridge, and into the water that was 15 feet below the bridge. He stood on the bridge's edge, studying the, the bubbles below so he could sort of figure out where the truck was located so that he wouldn't bash his head on the truck when he drove in. He watched, he studied, he dove head first off the bridge. He dove in and could barely make out the outline of this explorer that was uh, going down in the thick, muddy water. He swam past the, the vehicle, then he rose up and grasped, it, uh, gasped for breath. He, he, he dove down again and, uh, and got close enough where he could see the vehicle again, went down into the water through what he believed was the driver's side, reached into the back, unbuckled the seven-year-old Amar, pulled him out. Back on the surface, Reardon gave the lifeless Amar a breath. Water came out of his mouth. By this time, Kelly Earl, a registered nurse at Bayfront Medical Center, had jumped into the water and was swimming to Hyatt's boat. There's a point where you, you have to gauge risk to yourself versus others, she said. But given her medical training and the child's obvious need, she believed it was a feasible option. She climbed into the boat and began to give Amar CPR. With a lot of people and a lot of blessings, he will hopefully walk home and play with his brother and be with his family, she said. She was very proud of the job that a group of strangers did. Amara Jakupovic said, I owe them my life. Kristen Salomon, a, a social uh, psychologist at the University of South Florida, says research has shown many variables can persuade bystanders, bystanders not to help out in a crisis situation. Confusion about whether it's really an emergency, doubt about whether it's their responsibility to help, uncertainty over their ability to help. This rescue was impressive, she said, because so many people did actually help. Reardon went to the hospital on Monday and saw Amar. He was careful to stress what others had done besides just him. That captain with his boat, without him there'd probably be four dead people instead of, instead of none. Reardon said, the nurse, wow, I can fake CPR, he said, but it probably wouldn't have turned out the same as her doing it. That family needed someone who would step out of their comfort zone and try to save them. 
It happens sometimes. People step out of their comfort zones and, and do dramatic, heroic things like this. But if we think about it, you know, there are millions of families around this world, families around you and me, that need to be saved, but not from a submerged SUV in Tampa Bay. They need to be saved from their sins. That's what God wants you and me, the church, to be concerned about. People who are drowning in their sin, will we do something heroic to help them? Now, if, if, if this is true, that God wants us to be concerned about people who are, who are dying in their sin, uh, it makes sense that he would then equip us, the church, you and me as fellow Christians, to do just that thing, to do what needs to be done. And that's where spiritual gifts come in. So let's look at our passage this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He writes this, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended in the, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heaven in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and te of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work as each part does its work. I want to share uh, three things that we can learn from this passage this morning. First one is this. We are expected to serve. As believers and followers of Jesus, you and I are expected to serve. Every person in the family of God is expected to serve. Verse 7 says, each one of us, not some of us, not most of us, not a few of us, but each one of us, um, Nobody's left out when it comes to serving in the kingdom of God. The Bible plainly states that, that it is by God's grace that you and I have been saved, all of us. That not by what we've done, not by our works, but by, by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. It's a gift that he offers to every single individual. In verse 7, Paul is not saying that we're saved, saved in differing amounts. But he's saying that, that we do receive differing gifts and differing abilities from God by his grace. And these abilities and gifts are a part of God's grace to us, his grace to the family. I, I give you these. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you these gifts, these abilities. Paul says the same thing when he's writing to the Christians at Rome. Uh, Romans 12, verse 4 through 6, he says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, 
these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. You know, we need to understand something about uh, God here. Um, God does not give us something that he does not intend for us to use. He doesn't give us something and say, I want you to have this by my grace. Now just go store it in your safe and never use it. <laughs> um, no, he gives us things to use for the purpose of using. And there's a great illustration for them, the parable that Jesus told, um, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. A talent was a, was a, a form of money. Uh, and and there's a story, and many of us are familiar with it. There's a man who had some servants, and he was going to go on a long journey. And so he called three of his servants together, and he said, Hey, I'm going on a long journey. I, I got some work I need for you to do for me. And he, and he gave one man five talents, uh, five portions of money. He gave another one two talents, and he gave a, a third one just one talent. And when the man came back from his journey... Uh, he called the servants together. He, the servants had an expectation, and they knew what this expectation was, that they were supposed to do with this money. Uh, they were supposed to invest it. They were supposed to make it grow. They were supposed to work it. And so when he got back from his journey, he called the three servants together and said, all right, let me see what you did. Let me see what you did. Well, when he, when he spoke to the one that had five talents, he saw uh, happily that this man had gained five more, and so he had ten now. And he spoke to the one that he had given two talents. Now he had four. Those two had invested and worked it and, and, and used the money and, and, and had grown just as the master wanted him to do. And then he talked to the one that just had the one talent. And he, he was, I don't know if he was proud of it, but he brought his one talent back. He hadn't lost it. He hadn't lost it. But he had done nothing with it. What did he do? He went and buried it somewhere so that he was afraid to invest it. Something might happen to it. He didn't use it at all. And uh, maybe he, was, he thought that was a good thing, but the master was not happy with him at all because he expected him to use it. And because of that, the master uh, called him wicked and lazy because he had not done what the master wanted him to do with his gift. You know, when we first become Christians, we've got some growing to do. You know, when, if you can remember back, for those of us who are young or older Christians, Remember back when you were first became a Christian? Uh, you know, you, you got some growing to do, uh, to learning. You, you, you learn about God's Word. You learn about what it's all about to be a follower of Jesus. But there comes a point when it's time to take the bib off and put on an apron. All right? All right? It's time to roll up your sleeves. All right? I'm, I'm done with the baby food and with the formula. And now it's time to, to start making some, some food, uh, to making that Wednesday night meal. Uh, like Sarah and and uh, and, and uh, Donna do, um, and and Joy. In other words, we we need to to a lot of t tender loving care when we, be we first become a Christian. When someone first accepts Christ as their Savior, you know we get showered with the the love and the the, the studies and the you know the guidance. Um, but there comes a time when we've got we've got to be the one that's giving rather than the one that's just given to. It's time for us to care for people as others have cared for us. Uh, and, and most of us are in that category of 
All right, we're not infants anymore. You know, we, we've been around as followers of Jesus. Um, what if one of those rescuers had said, ah, they got it handled, they don't need me. I, I'll just go on about my business. Uh, that family would probably have had a much darker ending, wouldn't they? Have. Maybe all of them would have died. Well, what if the captain had, had not been there uh, or decided, oh, I'm not going to bother going over there. I'm just going to, I don't have time. What if the nurse had not come to the rescue? What if the diver had, had not gone down and pulled him out of the car? Um, it was important that every single one of them did their part in making uh, in rescuing that family. Each one of them had a different job, and every one of them was important. God expects each of us to do our part in helping to rescue people from their sin. And it takes all of us, not just one or two, or some, some particular talents or gifts, but all of us with all the different gifts that we have. So we are expected to serve. Secondly, we are equipped to serve, you and me. We are equipped to serve. Our responsibility as a church is to equip uh, people to serve. Um, you know, there are some believe that, uh, you know, I put my money in the plate to pay for others to serve. You know, that, that's their job. My job is to pay their salary, and then they do the work. I mean, a lot of people really think that. I've heard people from other churches, certainly not our church, but I've heard, heard people from, I've heard people say things like, I can't wait till we get that new youth minister so I can quit teaching this class. Somebody else can do it. You know, the, the help. They can do it. You know, there's a feeling that if a church hires a staff person, then now we can sit back and relax because that's what their job is, to do the work. Uh, but that's not the case. That's not the way God designed uh, his, his church. You know, each of us has a, a ministry gift. God gives every single one of us a ministry gift. Um, and, and if we don't use that gift, if we don't use that gift, the church will miss you. If you don't use it, we'll miss you. We'll, we'll miss out on that, that person that could have d dove into the water and rescued that little boy or pulled his boat over to help the family get on board. Um, no matter how talented the staff might be, and of course we are very talented. Uh, as, but <laughs> uh, uh, no matter how talented the staff may be, uh, you know, the staff can never replace all the gifts that God has given all of you to help the church grow, to help the church grow and to do the work of the kingdom. Back to the passage, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. You know, what, what does God expect from the leaders of the church? Maybe the staff or the elders uh, of the church. And the answer is this, right there from that passage, to prepare God's people for what? works of service not to prepare god's people to sit and listen and observe but to prepare god's people for works of service in other words part of my job part of steve and joe's job uh and and other teachers and chuck and 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 others that that, that, that do teaching is to help you 
find a way to use your gift, your ability, your skills. And a part of accomplishing this mission to reach the lost is to help you discover your gift so that you can then help others. To prepare. To prepare. Uh, it's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. When James and John, uh, uh, some of the first apostles of Jesus, before they were apostles, they were fishermen. And that word, to prepare, is used as they are preparing their nets. And what does that mean? Uh, preparing nets was uh, getting the junk out of it, getting the seaweed out and the sticks and the stones. It's mending tares uh, or where the, the net was damaged. It's untangling the, 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 net, the net so that it can be folded and ready to throw out whenever it's needed. Um, all of this was to get the nets ready so that when it's time to fish, you can just toss it out and the net's ready there to catch some fish. Um, they weren't, the nets weren't being prepared to fold up neatly and just store somewhere. For nothing, just, just to look pretty on, on a shelf. No, they were being prepared to use to catch fish. You know, experts who monitor these things tell us that in an average church, you've, we've, we've probably heard this before, many of us, 20% of the congregation does 80% of the work. That's generally true, generally true. I, I think, I hope, to, I hope that we're more than that. I hope we do more than that. But, but let's just say 50% of us here at Stony Brook do... 80% of the work. Now that, that's better than, than 20, right? But it, even at 50%, that means that half of us are only helping with 20% of the work or less. Half are only helping with 20% or less. And that's if we're 50 of us, 50% of us are doing the work. Should we settle for that? Should we settle for that? Well, you know, better than better nothing. Should we settle for that? Imagine what could be done for the kingdom of God uh, in any church, including here at Stony Brook, if 90 to 100% of us were in some way involved in ministry. Wow, it boggles the mind to think what could be done if every single person in this room and, and many uh, who aren't here today uh, were rolling up their sleeve and saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? All of us can't do everything, <laughs> and we're not expected to, even though some people try to do everything. Uh, but all of us can't do everything, and we're not expected to. But all of us can and are expected by God to do something, to do something for the kingdom of God. All of us are equipped by God to serve in some way. And we want to unleash all of us into ministry we want to help you discover how god has equipped you for service Here, here's how it can work i i, pre, I preached on this topic a few times in my career here and and that, it wasn't too long ago a year ago or so I, I i can't remember what the sermon was but i talked about serving and that very next week to my surprise i got a phone call from one of you who said hey i heard your sermon last week and and I, uh, I want to get involved. I, I want to put it into practice. And I was like, what? <laughs> somebody, because I think I said, hey, give me a call. And somebody gave me a call. 
And I, after I got up off the floor, <clears throat> um, I said, uh, I said, oh, okay, all right. Let's, so I just want to do something. I want to do something. So I said, all right, let's talk about it. What can we do? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you into? What are you, what are you doing? And, and we discovered, and we, I saw that this guy does a lot of serving here and there. And, and, um, and so I, um, we, as we thinking about it, we have this ministry called Chew. And it's, uh, it's a ministry where uh, a lady named Louise McKinnon, who uh, is a great lady here in town, who developed this ministry. And, and they collect food together. And then uh, the churches get a portion of the food and they put it in bags and then uh, we take it to a particular school. Our school is Garner Elementary School. And, uh, and then those bags are given to impoverished kids for the weekend. So they have some food for the weekend. So we've been involved in this ministry for a while. And I said, you know what we need? We need somebody to go to the distribution center and pick up the food, bring it to the church. And then we need somebody to, after Leslie and Riley bag it, uh, we need somebody to take it to Garner's Elementary School. And so this guy says, uh, yeah. I can do that. I can do that. And, 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 you know, there we go. There was one job that needed to be done that, that was done. And uh, so blessed. And, and, I mean, that's something that all of us could do. You could give me a call this week, and you could say, Hey, Mark, I was listening to your sermon Sunday, and, uh, and I was just wanted uh, it really touched my heart, and I, I want to do something. What can I do? And we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. I think that's how you... You know, we can have classes on what your spiritual gift is, and we've had it before. But I think one of the best ways to discover what your gift is is just try something. Just do something. Just do something. And it, all right, I'll, I'll help organize a youth event, or, or I'll help uh, cook in, in, on Wednesday nights, or I'll, uh, I'll you know, I'll, I can greet, or I can, you know, there, I can, there's all kinds of things that we could try, and maybe you think, well, I, I can't stand working with kids. I need to try something different, you know. And so, and so you, you, you try this. If that doesn't work, you try something else. If that doesn't work. And sometimes it's just a willingness to say, I don't know what you need or what I can do, but I, I'll do it. Just, just tell me. Just tell me. Uh, that's how you can get started. And you can, you can narrow it down to where God is leading you. We're a smaller church, and so we don't have all the fancy schmancy ministries like big churches have. Um, uh, so sometimes you got to kind of have a willingness to do something general and we would, we, we need you and we want you to help us. Uh, did you notice how each of those people in this rescue for the Jakupovic family were especially skilled and trained to handle the situation? You know, the captain knew the waters and he had a boat. <laughs> he had a boat. The nurse knew CPR. Uh, the diver knew the currents and how to get to the vehicle. Uh, that was no accident that those three people were there. God put them in the right place at the right time with the right ability. And that's what he wants for you and me as well. Uh, you and I are gifted with a, a gift that God has given us when we accepted Christ as our Savior. Um, we... Uh, Chuck talked a little bit about it, and we'll talk about it next week as well for Sunday school. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, uh, when at our baptism, when our, when our faith and God's grace come together, uh, we are given the forgiveness of our sins, and the, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, including a spiritual gift. And we have that, and we are to use it. 
for, for his kingdom. And finally, notice that the effect, the effect of a church which is equipped for ministry. What's the effect when people in a body of believers use their gift? What happens? Let's read verse 13 through 16 again. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, itself up in love as each part does its work. When we discover our spiritual gift and when we are ready to use that gift, you know, look what happens from this passage. Maturity happens. Maturity happens. We grow in our walk with God. We grow in knowledge. Uh, sometimes uh, if, you're, if we're not careful and if we don't know, if we don't have knowledge, we could be de get deceived by what anybody, anybody says, you know, and go down and be taken down the wrong path. Um, but when we're mature, when we understand Scripture, we're not going to do that as much. A mature Christian, which includes on-the-job training, experience in the field, right? Uh, we will be less likely to fall into false teaching. We, so we, maturity happens. We grow in love. Love happens. Uh, verse 15, you know, experience in the field, working with others, uh, that helps us see that all things must be done in love. The greatest thing is love. You know, doing the work of the kingdom is great, but if we don't do it in love, it's worthless. Uh, but we, we grow and understand that, yeah, we serve in love. The church will be built up. You know, it, it's simple. When we all work together, we grow. When we all work together, we grow. Ministry happens. Man, when each part does its work, things get done. Things get done, and it gets done with less stress, less burnout. We, we've, we've been there when we got a handful of people doing everything. Uh, it, before long, it's like, huh, you know, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. My head's spinning. But we only got one, like, this is my area, and, and I take care of that. And this is your area, and you take care of that. And this is your area over here, and you take care of that. Uh, and it all comes together, and it's less stressful. And the message of Christ is proclaimed. When we minister for Christ, the message of Christ, his love, his hope, his gift of salvation is automatically proclaimed by our very lives. And what's the result of it all? What's the result when we are all discovering our gifts and using them and putting them in, into effect? The result is a healthy, growing church. A healthy, growing church. Look at any healthy, growing church, and you'll see that a bunch of people are doing the work of the kingdom. Not just a handful. The Jakupovic family was rescued by people uh, who could have said, uh, I'm not going to get involved today. My daughter's having this driving lesson. I don't want to interrupt that. Uh, or, no, I'm too busy. I, I got stuff to do. Uh, I don't want to risk my life for them. I, I don't want to get my clothes wet. <laughs> but those heroes stepped forward and saved a family. Are there any spiritual heroes here today? 
for willing to, to get out of your comfort zone, to get involved, to risk something to get your clothes wet, even though it's kind of messy. You know, there's, there are people in your and my neighborhood, people at our workplace, people at our school, um, families that need us to plunge in and to help them. Um, there are those who need encouragement. There are those who need prayer. Um, there are those who need a listening ear, just a friend. We talked about intentional relationships and, and uh, for the last for, for the you know, 12, 13 weeks. You know, all those, all those ingredients that we included uh, in that where we're just being there for people, being their friend. Uh, and that's a way of jumping in, of just seeking out intentional relationships. God has equipped you to do it. He has. Not just me, uh, not just the elders, but you, all of us. He has, he has equipped us to do it. So let's all together use what God has given us in his kingdom. Because souls depend on it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, your, your message uh, through your word that tells us uh, that we are a body of believers and all of us are part of it. And every part, whatever part we play, you want us to use, our, use that part, whatever part we are. And so um, help us to not be afraid. Help us to, to be concerned to care, to care enough that, that, that uh, we'll say, hey, I want to get involved, what can I do? And, uh, and then, Lord, help us, to, help us to find those places for each, each of us to serve. And, and then, as a result, we'll grow and we'll be built up and we'll be more, more mature and we'll, we'll learn to love. And so, uh, just be with us today, Lord. Help us to, to understand that we all have the Holy Spirit if we're a Christian and we have a gift. And we need to use it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.